Thanks for tuning in for the second episode in our fourth season of Teachers Learn Too. In this episode, we will focus on literacy centers. So all you primary teachers out there, this one is for you. Now, if you're an upper grade teacher, don't fret because there's going to be plenty of ideas that I assure you, you can use in your classrooms. So without further ado, let's dive into what literacy centers can look like in your room. Today, we are here to talk about two of my favorite subjects, literacy and differentiation. Now, I'd like to start with a quote by Barack Obama that really sums up the importance of literacy. Reading is the gateway skill that makes all other learning possible. And as this quote so eloquently reminds us, literacy is really the gateway to all other learning. In the primary grades, we know how important it is to ensure that all of our kids are reading and comprehending before they enter the upper grades. In fact, students being able to read at grade level by third grade has been one of the most significant predictors of future success in both college and career. After third grade, students transition from learning to read to reading to learn. Therefore, having a strong, successful literacy program in place is imperative for any primary grade teacher. Now, literacy center rotations are perhaps one of the most commonly used models in the primary grades. The only thing is that they can consume a ton of prep time. Whether you're a veteran teacher looking to enhance your centers or a first year teacher to the primary grades, I really hope to shed some light and perhaps save you some prep time when planning your literacy block. Now, I'd like to start by addressing three of the most commonly asked questions when it comes to literacy centers. One is, how do I start literacy centers and what is the first step? Another, how do I group students? And finally, how do I run differentiated literacy centers? And most importantly, is it manageable? Let's go ahead and start chatting about these three questions so that we can help you successfully implement differentiating centers without adding more stress to your already full teacher plate. Let's start with the first commonly asked question, and that's how to get started. What is the first step when planning and implementing your literacy centers? Well, the first step is to assess your students' literacy levels. Literacy can be divided into three categories, phonics, fluency, and comprehension. Although all three are important to a child's overall success, I would address them in the order listed. In other words, address any concerns with phonics before tackling comprehension. Now, I am not, I repeat, I am not saying that comprehension is not just as important But if a child cannot decode the words on the page, it's going to be near impossible to understand a text to its fullest, even with pictures and context clues. Therefore, I recommend starting with a phonics assessment and give that assessment to every student in your primary grade classroom, regardless of the grade level that you teach. Now, if you're looking for a quick teacher-friendly phonics assessment, I actually have a freebie resource on my blog at learninginprogress.com. It includes a student copy, a teacher copy, and a scoring guide. 
Now, the best part is that the scoring guide actually tells you what group to place students in, depending on their assessment results. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you download a copy. For the students who are able to pass the entire phonics assessment, I recommend giving a fluency assessment. Now you can actually download a second freebie, I kid you not, a second one on my website as well. I have a fluency tracker if you're looking for one. The purpose of this assessment is not to see how quickly a student can read, but to observe if their fluency rate may potentially affect their comprehension of a text. For example, if a student is spending so much time or effort decoding each individual word that he or she is struggling to remember the gist of the passage, that student's reading goal should be to chunk phrases. Now, after giving both assessments, it's time to group the students according to their reading levels and their goals. The next question on your mind might be, how do I group students? Now that your students have their reading goals, whether it's phonics, fluency, or comprehension, it's time to put them into small groups. There are several ways to group students, but I prefer grouping them by reading level and reading goal. I would start by looking at the student's phonics assessments. Group students according to the phonics skill they need first. And please note that you can group skills together. Don't feel like you need to have a separate group for every single phonics skill, because depending on the results of your students, you might end up having like 10 groups, and really that's not manageable for us. So feel free to put more than one skill together. For example, if you have two students who need CVC words, which is level A in the freebie assessment I was talking about earlier, and you also have three students who need digraphs, which is level B, place them into one group. In cases like this, I would always teach the higher skill and perhaps make the lower skill a warm-up for each individual intervention lesson. Another way to look at it is I want to share what my lesson progression would be. For example, in that same group, my warm-up might be the vowel, a vowel sound review and then CVC word practice. Thus, I would be targeting the goal of the lower students in my group. Then for the instruction, I might introduce a digraph, which is the goal of the higher students. So maybe I introduce the sh sound. After having some short uh, instruction in that sound, I would then model how to read two-syllable words with that same sound. Afterwards, I would give the students independent practice. Now, this independent practice could absolutely be a, um, targeting the skill that you taught, but it could also be differentiated even within this group. So maybe some students are reading CVC words and others are reading words with digraphs. Now, of course, your groups are going to be determined by your students' needs, but I wanted to provide you with some examples. So if you head to my blog, learningandprogress.com, I actually have a sample class. Of course, there are no names or student information, but I wanted you to see my process of reviewing the assessment results and then placing students into groups. So if you wanna see a sample class, head on over there because I did put the color groups as well as their reading goals. 
Now notice that my groups um, on my blog are not equal. And I do want to stress that. You do not have to have equally numbered groups. So you might have, for instance, your intervention group is uh, five students and maybe your near benchmark kids are four, your at grade level kids are eight. Really, you need to base your groups on the assessment results. So I have found from working with teachers, from coaching teachers, um, both at my district and also um, other districts, that this is a common misconception. You don't need groups to be exactly even, and in fact, most of the time they won't be. Again, it's based on data. Now, if your class happens to be evenly separated based on reading goals and scores, then no problem, but don't place a student in the wrong group just because you want to keep the groups even in size. I also want you to keep in mind that your groups are eventually going to change anyways as students make progress. So these are flexible groupings. Now, I do want to um, point out that for each group on my blog, I had selected a goal and an activity for the intervention time. Sometimes this intervention time is called response to intervention or RTI. And basically, this is the time of day when students are all working towards their own goals, whether that be at grade level, below grade level, or above. Note that not all groups are going to receive the same amount of teacher time. In fact, they really shouldn't be receiving the same amount, in my opinion. Now, if you want to learn more about what this type of instruction looks like, make sure to tune in um, in a couple of weeks because I'm actually going to go through task charts, which I'm going to present um, according to my math block, but you are more than welcome to use this type of model in your literacy block as well. So stay tuned for that if you're curious what that looks like. Last but not least, how do I run differentiated literacy centers? And most importantly, is it manageable? Now the first several weeks of literacy centers should be dedicated to training. And I would start with your advanced learners. I recommend training them to either participate in reading workshop or book clubs. And if you're new to either one of these models, I highly, highly recommend them. I have written several blog posts and recorded several podcast episodes in previous seasons that can help you get started. And if you want to brainstorm ideas with me or you have any questions about really anything I've covered, feel free to write a comment on my blog or email me at melody at learningandprogress.com. I'd be more than happy to help you get started. Now, once your advanced learners are trained, they will be able to run reading workshop or book clubs on their own. I would plan on having a quick check-in with them once a week or maybe even once every other week, depending on your students and grade level. After this group has been trained, I would then recommend training what I call the green group. Now, these students, as I went over in my blog, these students are at grade level, perhaps slightly above. So if you're teaching primary, these students might be working on either fluency or comprehension. For them, I would recommend having a targeted reading lesson that addresses either one of those goals and perhaps meeting with them once or twice a week. 
The days that they don't meet with you, they can absolutely work in partners, perhaps even doing fluency practice with partners. Now, I have good news for you because fluency practice, although so beneficial, can be really time consuming. But I actually have no prep fluency passages in my TPT store. The link is on my blog. It's in my TPT store. And they're themed passages for every month of the year. Best part, they're differentiated for you. So each theme includes six different passages and four levels per passage. Trust me, it's a huge time saver. Now, the rest of the groups, according to the sample class that I have on my blog, are phonics groups. And this is going to be pretty typical um, for all you primary grade teachers out there that you'll have this many phonics groups. I suggest meeting with these groups every day for 20 minutes. If it's hard to find 16 minutes, because I suggested three phonics groups. So if it's hard to find 60 minutes to dedicate to intervention, maybe meet with your two higher groups every other day and your intervention kids must meet with you every day. You're going to see huge progress if you do that. While you are meeting with each group, the other students can work on um, some ready-made activities. So it could be literacy games. It could be flashcards. There's so many options. I have some great Nearpod lessons that are available on my TPT store. The link is on my blog. Honestly, check it out. If you haven't used Nearpod, wow, you will love it. The kids can draw. There's games. It's really engaging. So make sure to check that out. I also have a webinar on my blog if you are new to Nearpod. So feel free to watch that um, so that you can learn what it's about and how to get started. Literacy centers do not have to be as daunting as they seem. I truly hope that this episode has helped you take that first step towards differentiated centers. And again, I know how time-consuming planning these centers can be, so please make sure to go to my blog, download the freebies, check out my TPT store, email me any questions you have. I am more than happy to help you in any way I can. Should you have any questions or if you just want to share your successes, I would love to hear them. Feel free to comment on my blog or email me at melody at learningprogress.com because I would truly love to hear from you. Now, my next episode will post on February 5th, and in it, we're going to focus on differentiating your math block this time. I will specifically walk you through what math differentiation looks like in my upper grade classroom. Having said that, since I've taught both upper grades and primary grades, in this episode, I hope to share ideas for all elementary school teachers. Thank you again for chatting with me today. I truly love being part of your teaching community, and your students are so lucky to have you. Until next time, keep learning, everyone.